Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. I want to just launch from where Micah was preaching on this a couple weeks ago and just pick it up right there and and weave this into the story this morning that I'm going to be telling. Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, and then we'll read 6 and 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. I was getting prayer in the, we had a prayer meeting this morning before first service and they were just praying, ooh, that's good. No more gloom. Let there be no more gloom. For those in distress, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And on those, a light has dawned. Down to verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And I literally, you guys, almost called this sermon up and to the right. Some of you guys joke about some of my phrases, but that's a, that's a good place to use it right there, up and to the right. This thing's going up into the right up of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen. This is the word of God. So. What I want to do today is I want to tell a story. We're talking about the king is among us, and I want to tell a story, and I want to do it for a couple different reasons. One is we love stories, (laughs) right? I mean, we think in stories. If I'm going to ask Ashley or or Julia or, 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 or Tiffany, what did you do last Thursday? They're not going to start listing bullets. They're going to start telling me a story. That's the way we think. We think in stories. Well, this happened, this happened, this happened. Sometimes I tell stories with too many details. Kim's like, could you just kind of get to the, get to the point? I was like, oh, no, all this is good. If I'm sharing it, it must be good. Not always. But we think in stories. And that can be good sometimes. It, all, it can also be bad sometimes. Let's say, like, you've got a story that's going on on, on, the, on the inside of you, but it's not a good story. And so you've been playing this story for years, but it's not really the truth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so it's like, you've you got this story and it's like, I'm not, you fill in the blank. Smart enough, pretty enough, educated enough. And I'm never going to be whatever the different things might be. I mean, those are, those, are, those are destructive stories. A destructive story then leads to addiction and different kinds of things that get strangleholds on our lives. And they, they squeeze out the potential of God's life shining through us like He wants it to. And so, in the flip side of that is, we can also have good stories that we tell. Even though we don't know the full future that's coming, we can tell a good story. God loves me. He's got a plan for me. 
He's got a destiny and a hope and a future for me. And blessing, uh, it's just right around the corner because that's the God that I'm walking with. So in His love, it's like a never-ending Niagara fall over my head all the time. It's just a story I tell myself, but it impacts my life, right? So this whole story thing is really a big deal. At Christmas time, there are lots of competing stories, right? There's stories that are competing for our allegiance, for our minds, for our desires and hearts and wills. You know, there's the story of whatever the latest thing is we're supposed to buy. So there, a long time ago, there was this Elmo doll. And it captured the hearts and minds of people everywhere. And there was a run on the Elmo doll. And there wasn't enough. Anybody ever do economics class? You know what that was I just did? Supply and demand curve? You remember seeing like, I'm going to get back to, I need to get back. Yeah. He's just like, what are you? I don't know. I don't know. Materialism. That's what I was talking about. Was, you know, there's, there's things that compete for our allegiance, for our minds, for our hearts. And at the same time, in the middle of all this, there's another story going on about Jesus and him coming into the world. And there's this tension that we, even coming on Sundays like this, we need this, just like I needed to hear when Micah was preaching, somebody here needs to hear this and recalibrate and reorient life to the story of all stories, the story of Jesus Christ. And it, it's good, man. I mean, we need to hear this. But so often, you know, we, what we get is a cliff notes. Everybody know what cliff notes are? It's big back when I was in college. I used it two or three times at least. And I like to learn. But uh, Cliff Notes, it's like a really reduced version of the actual story. And that thing happen, that can happen with the, with the gospel. It can happen with stories. So imagine this. Here we go. I want to tell you guys the story of the Lord of the Rings. It's great, great story. So there's this guy named Frodo. And he wakes up in this big old bed. He looks like he's been through a hard time, but he wakes up and there's Gandalf smiling at him right at the end of the bed, this grandfather wizard dude, you know, and he's just happy looking at him smiling. And in run Merry and Pippin, and they just hop up on the bed and they're all just hugging on each other and stuff. And then comes Gimli, the dwarf, and Legolas, the, the elf. He runs in, big smile, and there's Aragorn. He comes in too, and last but not least, his great friend Sam. And they have such a reunion. It's so wonderful. And then they all live happily ever after. And that's the story of the Lord of the Rings. And y'all know that's not true, right? That is, it, it's, it's, it's partly true, but it's so condensed and so truncated, so abbreviated, so clipped off that you really wouldn't understand that those guys went through some hard stuff together. They fought some battles together. They went through the mines of Moria together. They, they, they were separated for a season. And then after all this, you know, facing down the Mount of Doom and everything, they come back together, right? So powerful story. The problem is that that kind of thing can happen with the gospel. That very kind of truncating, uh, reducing, abbreviating, clipping down. 
That thing can happen with the gospel. And it, I, I literally, I had somebody years ago give, um, I didn't just point at her. <laughs> I did sort of just point at her. Um, give me a tract because we'd been talking about this stuff and gave me a tract. And on the front, it says, your ticket to heaven. And on the back, it says, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, gave his one and only son. So that's not untrue, right? It's not untrue. It's just terribly uh, reduced down so that you might miss some really key elements of the story and think that it was the story was mainly about us going to heaven when we die. Like, that's the point. Like, that's what Jesus came and did, as if Jesus came and said, hey, believe in me, and you can go to heaven when you die. Here's what I want us to think about. What was going on in Israel... And what was the story that was being told so that Jesus, when he shows up, he doesn't say, hey, believe in me and you can go to heaven when you die. Instead, he shows up and says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. So what's going on in that story that we need to know and have as a part of our lives so that the kingdom actually makes sense in our lives? The track makes sense. So let's tell the story this morning. Here's the main thing. The main thing is that the king really is among us and wants us to order our whole lives to the story of the king and his kingdom. And one of my goals is just at the end of this time, like we'd go, yeah, I want to do that. I want my life. I want the kingdom message to make sense to me and it to make sense being expressed in my life. So there's there's the goal for the day. And I'm just breaking this thing down in three easy-to-remember parts. God is king. Israel rejects God as king. God becomes Jesus. God becomes king in Jesus in order to make things right in the world. And then we'll make a few practical applications out of that. But first of all, God is king. And I, I noticed this in first service. I didn't know. I, I could actually preach by looking at the screen here. My points are... There they are. But so God, God makes heavens and the earth. And he, he, he creates. And He makes humanity to be in His image. Male and female to be in His image. And we were to have His authority to express on the earth, to rule and to reign and to be fruitful and to multiply His life on the earth. But then Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. That's called the fall. And one of the things they gave up there in the, in the fall was authority on the earth. It gave authority to the enemy. So that's an underlying story of God coming ultimately as king. You roll the clock forward, Babel happens, that's everybody speaking the same language saying, hey, we can just, we've got this thing going on so much, let's just build a tower that goes all the way up to heaven and let's make a name for ourselves. So God confuses the language. People are scattered out all over the earth. God comes to a man named Abram. And he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you and your family in such a way that your family is going to be a blessing to all of the nations of the world. All nations are going to be blessed through you. Incredible promise. Abraham believed him and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so this people began to take shape, 12 tribes. Ultimately, they end up 
in Egypt in slavery. And after 400 years, God sets them free, sends a deliverer and Moses, and they go and all the way in out of bondage and into the land. Everybody tracking so far? It's all part of the story. So they get to the land, but everything's not just perfect. Um, Samuel is kind of leading them, the people at one time. And so Samuel is getting old. The people don't want his sons to lead them. And if you'll turn back to 1 Samuel, here's the second part. And this is Israel rejecting God as king. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, They have rejected me as their king. And so it's important that we understand that God actually thinks, he he understands this as a rejection of him as the king over the people, as the ruler over the people. And so he goes on and says, as they've done from the day that I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly. And let them know what the king who will reign over them will do, which is abuse them, take advantage of them, take their sons and make them do all kinds of work stuff and fight in wars and and take heavy taxes and take it into himself. So all that's going to happen with this earthly king. You roll the clock forward and David is the king now. And David's won all these battles and he wants to build a house for God. But God comes to him through the prophet Nathan and says, you're not going to be the one that's going to build the house for me. It's going to be your son. But he says some more specific stuff than that. In chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, chapter 7, verse 11, about halfway through that verse, Nathan says to David, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Not, not the other way around. He's going to, I'm going to establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up from your offspring, your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne, his throne, the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Okay, so you're catching the gist of what's going on in this story. So God's made this promise to David, that I'm going to raise up from somebody that's going to come from you, one of your descendants, I'm going to raise up a king, and he's going to be on the throne, and he's going to be on the throne forever, and he's going to build a house that's going to last forever. Pretty incredible promise. But you follow the rest of the story of the kings, man, and it's up and down. Solomon starts good. He has a good start, right? But then there's like all these wives and concubines and their gods, and for long he's building idols and shrines and he's worshiping other gods he does not finish well the story of the kings it's kind of up and down every now and then there'll be one that'll kind of rise up to the challenge but then a bunch of them just idol worshiping turning away from god all this kind of stuff is happening and meanwhile the prophets are saying guys we've got to turn back to god we've got to turn back to god if we don't turn back to god we're gonna we're gonna lose our place in the land we're gonna be exiled and out of here and sure enough the Babylonians finally come and they do exactly that. They take the people, they burn the temple, they take the people off to Babylon. And Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 10, has a vision. He's there by the Chebar River in Babylon 
and he has a vision and he sees the temple and the glory of the Lord lifts from the temple and then leaves. The glory has left the temple. And so it's this powerful scene of the Israelites exiled. God's glory has gone from the temple and they are longing for a return. They are longing for the Messiah. They are longing for a king. And so they start trickling back. Ezra leads some of them back. Nehemiah leads some of them back. They build, rebuild the walls of the temple. They rebuild this thing. But they're still, even though they're there, they're under the Assyrians. And then even later, even though they're there, they're under the Romans. So they're there in the land, but it's like they're still in exile. They're still longing for the coming of the king, the Messiah. And that's the background for Jesus coming into the, into the world. In Malachi, the Old Testament ends in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and there's this incredible promise that comes to the Israelites. Malachi 3, verse 1 says, See, I will send my messenger. This is 400 years before Jesus comes. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire. Okay, wow. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Roll the clock forward 400 years. Mark, the gospel of Mark, one of the early gospels, starts off and says, this is the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is so loaded. He goes on and says, and quotes Isaiah, but before he gets to Isaiah, he quotes this verse right here from Malachi. It says, see, the messenger I'm going to send is going to go before me. We know that's John the Baptist, right? That, that's that messenger is going to go before me. And then the Lord that you're longing to come is going to return to the temple. And that Lord is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the embodiment of Israel's God walking in flesh. You know, so it's a powerful scene. It's a subversive scene. The way Mark starts his gospel, think about it. He says, this is the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What's going on in, in Rome at the time is that Caesar Augustus is saying that he's God's son. In fact, it's on the coins. Caesar Augustus is God's son. Why was he God's son? Well, because when his dad, Julius Caesar, died, there was this famous comet that, that literally flew that night. I want to say it's, it's Halley's. I'm not totally sure on that, but they have literally tracked to the Ides of March a comet that flew in the sky that night. So the comet goes, and they said, that's Caesar Julius Caesar becoming a god. So that makes Caesar Augustus God's son. So think about this. They're writing, Mark's writing this gospel. This is the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the son of God. Not Caesar's not the son of God. Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's powerful. So that's Mark. And Luke then is the, I'll get back to the birth narrative. But let's look at Luke chapter one and look what's happening here. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The angel comes to Mary, says, Do not be afraid, Mary. I, you found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. Okay, imagine you're just Mary listening, listening to this. This is 
absolutely mind-blowing. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Just boom. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. Turn the page. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angel comes to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. He is Christ the Lord. And that word for Lord there is the same word for Lord God that's translated in the Greek Septuagint, the the Old Testament. And it's used, that, that term right there is used over 600 times in the New Testament for Jesus Christ. This is the embodiment of Israel. Israel's God has come in Jesus Christ. And this is the story that we're a part of. It's not just, you know, we're going to go to heaven one day. Praise God. But it's a, it's a, whew, it's a wow. It's a, it's a rich, full, full orbed kind of a story. God becoming king in this way. So Mark and Luke, John starts to tell his gospel. And in John, he emphasizes that God is in the flesh and that he is Israel's God in the flesh. And he comes to the temple, and what does he do? He turns stuff over. He brings judgment there. He says, ah, this, this has got to change. And he emphasizes all of those things. In Matthew, Jesus is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. And if you, if you follow the story in Matthew, Jesus grows up. Then as he's about to start his ministry, he's baptized. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. He's baptized. He's led out into the desert. There he's tempted. And he comes back from that temptation. And then he begins to preach. Now I've told a little bit of the story. And so now what Jesus starts saying makes sense. And it connects what Micah was, uh, was preaching uh, two weeks ago out of Isaiah 9 right into the New Testament and into the present. But we had to tell all that story to get there, right? So here we go. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the shadow land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So this is, this is huge. I can remember growing up and just, you know, and I had heard the gospel. I had heard the good news that my sins could be forgiven and I could go to heaven when I die. And that was pretty much the, the, the big chunk of what I was hearing. And so when I read the gospels, when I literally read the, the gospels, and there's all this stuff about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the king, I'm like, I didn't know how to put it together. You know, and so Jesus comes on the scene, and the first thing he says is, repent, 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and mark. The kingdom of God is near. Believe this gospel. Get your life in line with this kingdom. So it's, it's huge. And all the different gospel writers, they record Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, people being healed, people being set free, people under the oppression of the enemy, just being the, the enemy has to go in God's, in Jesus' name, him setting people free, forgiving their sins. He's demonstrating over and over and over that God has come to them, that God is visiting them. You know, that all of this is just, it's like, wow. You know, and so then you get, you follow track all the way, that through Matthew, get toward the end of Matthew, and it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all nations, and then the end will come. So it's important that we, we get which gospel this is, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is king, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ has a kingdom in which he has come and is, it's expanding. He's making all things right. So it's like, pretend I've got a big bushel. We don't use a lot of bushels around. <laughs> Hide my light under a bushel. Oh no, I think. This is a bushel. It's a bushel of apples. Okay? And so lots of red, delicious. You can see them there. Use your imagination. And, I mean, this, this bushel is the gospel of the kingdom of God. And it's got all kinds of apples. There's not just one apple in this bushel. And there is the gospel that our sins are forgiven in and through Jesus Christ. Praise God. Yay. It's just, but that's one, that's one out of a hundred. You know, the gospel that you can be forgiven and set free. You can be no longer oppressed from the enemy. You can have a purpose and a destiny. The good news that, that your relationships can be made whole and right. That you can live with joy and purpose on planet earth. The gospel of the kingdom is this full, rich, full-orbed good news that touches every single part of life. And it's not us just sitting around waiting until one day we're going to die and then go be with Jesus. It's like he's enacted something that he wants enacted through us in and through us in and through us and so he dies goes to the cross he's raised on the third day by the power of god he walks on the earth for 40 days and on that 40th day when he's about to ascend into heaven matthew 28 says i'll, I'll read it quoting a lot of this stuff but just want you guys to see me reading it too so they, they come, they meet him on the mountain. Some, they worshiped him, some doubted. I always think that's just worth throwing in. Just interesting. But Jesus came to them and said, check it out, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So whatever he did in defeating the devil's work, he, he grabbed that authority that was given in the fall. He grabbed it back. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and you make disciples. Teach them in the way of the kingdom. Teach them in the way of this life. You know, the, the, the things that I, I, I said, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all these things I've been talking to you about. 
This is the kingdom way. This is the kingdom charge and mandate and story that we're a part of. And if you roll the story forward, keep going forward, ultimately, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I'll just I'll finish with this verse. I'll make a few points here. We're not done. We're, we're close. We're not done. So this is, uh, this is Paul saying, hey, we're going to be raised from the dead. And I always feel like I just need to keep saying that to everybody. We're going to be raised from the dead. This is our hope. Like we're to be pitied if we don't believe that Christ was raised from the dead and we're going to be raised from the dead. And we have to tell that because there's the more popular kind of cultural story is we die, we go to heaven, we kind of float around, there's far side cartoons, there's all this popular culture, you know, heaven can wait, it's kind of dry ice kind of place, you walk around and it just doesn't, you know, that's, that's heaven, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. But we are going to be raised from the dead. And we are going to live in these glorified bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, it's like, it's good news, man. Yeah. And so, so Paul, this is Paul here talking about the end. He says in verse, chapter 15, talking about the resurrection, 15, chapter 15, verse 22, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong with him, belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Yeah, I need like a, I need something there on that. You know, the whole deal. It's glorious, you guys. It is just absolutely fascinating. Everything has changed for us. We're not the same. We can't just be the way it was. This story is a life-changing story that we're a part of. It's not just business as usual for us. Things have changed. We, we, we live a different way. We're, we've been rescued, redeemed, ransomed, healed, forgiven. You know, just, I, we, you know, you jump in on that. Somebody preach it, you know. And so now, now we don't just, it's not just we're just out of here. We live as Jesus lived. We walk as Jesus walked. You know, nobody does it. Per- I don't do it perfect, but that's the trajectory of our living is that we live empowered by the Spirit of God with our eyes on Jesus who reveals the loving, beautiful relationship of His love and life with the Father in the Spirit. And we get to get in on that. It's just, oh man, it just blows my mind. It's such good news. We love as Jesus loved. We listen as Jesus listened. I I want to say something here just about listening because, you know, sometimes people go, why do you emphasize listening to Jesus so much. And there's, there's a reason. And, and it's not just because Paul says to seek the gift of prophecy above all the other spiritual gifts. He does say that in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. So seek that gift more than any other gift and use it in love because it builds up the church. It brings edification to the church. But that's really not why I'm saying that right now. I'm saying it because this is the way Je- you want to be. Who wants to be like Jesus? 
This is the way Jesus lived. Jesus lived always listening. Always listening. You don't see Him do anything that the Father didn't show Him to do. You don't hear Him say anything that the Father didn't tell Him what to speak. John chapter 12, verse 29. One more verse. I don't know if it's in the notes, but uh, John 12, 49. says, Jesus is speaking. He says, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who has com- who's sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that His command leads to eternal life. Ooh, that's good. I, I trust Him. I know that what He's going to say is life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. I have no illusion that anybody in this room can hear perfectly, abide perfectly, do all that stuff perfectly, but that's the trajectory. That's why we talk about spending time with the Lord. That's why we talk about abiding in His presence throughout the day as much as we possibly can, turning, turning, listening. And that's why we talk about uh, obediently responding to the Lord. When you sense the Lord saying something to you, through a brother, through the Scripture. We immerse ourselves in, in Scriptures. I'm on a text thread right now with a bunch of guys. We just share Scripture every morning. There's, you know, there's lots of other ways of doing that, but it's, it's just it's immersing. It's getting immersed in God's Word so that the Holy Spirit can actually prompt us and we can hear. And the more we obey, the more we walk and say yes to what the Lord is saying to us, the, more, the bigger that window of response time gets, the greater our sensitivity gets to the the voice of the Lord. Does that make sense? So it's this kingdom story, this kingdom way of living. We have a new story, and Jesus gathers us up into His story, gathers us up into His fellowship, gathers us up into His love and life and purpose. Let's put these slides up. I'm really getting close to the end, but I want to just do this, this visual one more time. Common Jewish eschatological expectation. Big words, right? Just means this is the way they kind of saw the end. It was, it's much more simple than the, some of the charts and things that are out there right now on the end. <clears throat> it's this age and the coming age. Everybody say that? This age, the coming age. And God was going to come. The day of the Lord was going to come. And that would separate those two ages. This age, we know this age. It's marked by rebellion, injustice, oppression, warfare, lust, The coming age, though, is when things are going to be made right. Obedience, justice, righteousness, peace, plenty. What did Isaiah 9 say? His government and peace is going to increase. There's going to be no end. He's going to bring justice. He's going to turn unjust things on their head. You know, that's what this, that's what this is coming in this new age. Now, here's what they did not expect. And if I could animate this, show the next slide. What they didn't expect was the coming age to push back into the current age in the life, ministry, death, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the coming kingdom literally pushed back into this realm, into this age. That's what happened in the coming of Jesus. Okay, and so he's coming again, and then everything is going to be made right. But in the meantime, we live in this in-between time. You know, the, the kingdom is now. It really is now. We see people healed, set free, delivered, you know, and it's not yet. Sometimes it breaks our hearts when somebody's not healed or when something doesn't happen that we know that's the kingdom. Why is it not happening? Ah, and that's us living in this in-between time. 
So go to this next slide. This is the way we're to live. Not as stick people, <laughs> but absorbing, receiving God's kingdom way, His reign, His, His thinking, His attitude, His words, His touch, His life, His smile, His hug, His fellowship, and, and sharing that with other people. And it starts, it starts where you have a say-so. And the, the biggest place you have a say-so is right on that little bit of earth that's you. Right here. Yes, Lord. That's the right answer. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, more and more, Lord. Let your kingdom come. Let that prayer be answered in me. May your kingdom come. That's why this is the main thing. Well, how do you pray? Say this. Lord, let your kingdom come. Father, your name's holy. Let your kingdom come on earth, in me, as it is in heaven. And so then we have these expanding circles of say-so. Expanding circles where we can like influence with our family and with our neighbors and with our work situations, with, with, uh, with our city. You know, just things that are happening in our city. We want to be those kinds of, in our nation, in the nations of the earth. And this, this is how the kingdom of God comes now. It's through people. It's through people. The Spirit's working in our lives so that we will say yes. And, and you know, praise the Lord. Last, last week was awesome. 25 years, you know, getting to celebrate all that. But that's not every day. Most days it's like, I don't see it like that. I'm just trying to do the next thing that the Lord says to do. But there's a promise that if we'll keep doing that next thing, we'll be agents, ambassadors, advocates, people that are helping other people see what God's really, really like. And this, man, that's it. That's the good news. We're all at different places. And I, you know, I do want to say, some of us, we've been through some hard battles. And others, you know, we've still got things we're going through. And that's the way it's kind of going to be in life. The story really isn't just believe in Jesus and you go to heaven one day. Well, that's true. And the story really isn't just you wake up on the bed and there's Gandalf and there's other stuff that actually happens in the story, in the real story. And we fight battles. And sometimes, you know, it's, you know, it's on, whatever the warfare metaphor would be. You know, do you see the army there? And it's hard. But on the other side of that, Man, it's good. And it's, that's part of how Jesus is putting his enemies under his feet is when we follow him in and through those different things of life. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that, that Jesus is changing things and making things right. It's not just about somewhere down the road. It's about now. This eternal life, it's about now. It's about things changing right now. I was preaching to Stephanie who leads un, uh, Unbound for us, you know, just that What's in first service? That, that's a wrong things being made right. People getting saved that need to find Jesus. People being forgiven. Just unjust things getting helped and healed and made whole. And us having vision for all of that. And so our response when Jesus comes now, now there's a different framework, I hope you can see, that our framework, when Jesus comes and says, repent and believe, the kingdom of God is at hand. That we say, Jesus, 
You are the King. Yes, Lord. And I want to align my life. I want to calibrate my thinking and my words and my life and my relationships to the way of the King and the way of the kingdom. Make sense? Let's stand up and respond to God just for a little bit here. Worship team, come on up. Ministry team, come up. Amen. Okay, so here's how I want to encourage us in this little time this morning. It's like we know that we're in process. Everybody in process, right? And, and we know that there's little adjustments that we make along the way. And it could be something about a story that you've been telling that maybe that's not the right story. It's not the true story. It's not the real story. It's not the story of Jesus, the King and His kingdom. And so wherever in your life there needs to be some adjustments made today, maybe it's just say, Jesus, I want to recognize you as the King. I haven't been doing that. Or Jesus, I want to listen. I want to make it my life's journey to walk with you. Just whatever, wherever you find yourself, I want to encourage you. The reason we do this prayer stuff is in the moment after a sermon, it's just a great time to say yes to whatever God's speaking to you. So if it's about alignment or calibrating to Him, man, let's get some prayer. And, and I just want to say this too, because I have preached the kingdom to you today. And when, when we see that happen in the New Testament, People get healed. Stuff happens. If you need prayer for healing, if you're just going through something, just a hard thing, we want to pray for healing for that stuff in Jesus' mighty name. So Lord, let your kingdom come even now, even as we pray together. Let lives be changed and calibrated to the goodness of the good news that is really for all of life, for all of our eternity, for all mankind. So Lord, do it starting here. Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys come. Be bold. Whatever's going on you need to get prayer about, just press into the Lord. Come get somebody to pray for you. Amen. Lord, let your kingdom come here. Let your reign come into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Let your reign come into our lives. In Jesus' name.